If you will, please stand with me as we are hearing the words of our King spoken by Him directly to us this morning. A song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the, to the name of the Lord. There, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. You may be seated. I wonder if you could go anywhere in the world. Where would you go? If you had this dream trip that you could save up enough money for and, and go on and, and experience all these things that you've, you've thought about your whole life. Where would you go? Every year I get these brochures from the seminary I went to, Southern Seminary, and, and, and these brochures will inevitably every year have this trip to Jerusalem where uh, the professors uh, of the seminary will, will lead students and alumni to the holy city. I can tell you that is my dream trip. I would love to go with those men and see the landscape of the Bible, the place where Jesus walked. I just imagine the Word of God coming alive in fresh ways if I got to actually be there. Well, Psalm 122 lays this out for us. It really is laying out by David for all of God's people, including us today, that that really should be our dream destination, to go to Jerusalem. You see, the most important things in this song are are the lyrics that are repeated over and over again. See in Psalm 122, the, the repetition of the word Jerusalem, the word house, and the word peace. Peace for David is in Jerusalem because of the houses that are in Jerusalem. David, the great warrior, is longing for peace, to be in Jerusalem, to experience peace. And, and we, we know that that is more than just the absence of war with the Philistines. It is a kind of peace that is whole life flourishing that he says we experience in Jerusalem because of the houses that are there. And what I believe that the Lord is going to use this song to persuade us of is this. When it comes to joy and flourishing, when it comes to joy and flourishing, which are the only goals that you really should be dreaming of and and praying for and, and laboring for in your own life, joy and flourishing, when it comes to those 
things. The center of the world is the church where Jesus lives and rules. We just read Psalm 122, and, and it may be a stretch in your mind to, to say that that is true of Jerusalem, and it should be true in the church. And my burden today is to show you why I think Psalm 122 is written by God to persuade you today that when it comes to joy and flourishing, the center of the world is the local church wherever Jesus lives and rules. The gospel truth of Psalm 122 is the house of Jesus is the capital of joy. The house of Jesus is the capital of joy. Of joy. It is the place that our hearts will find peace and joy and there alone. We see this first of all in verses 1 and 2 when we see David's joy in Jerusalem. That's point number one. In verses 1 and 2, David's joy in Jerusalem. It says in verse 1 that David was glad to go to Jerusalem. He was so glad whenever the people of God, the other pilgrims said, come with us to Jerusalem. Remember, this is uh, uh, speaking about the pilgrimages, the, the, the pilgrims who would go to these Feasts that they held in Jerusalem. We see a reference to this in verse 4. You see all the tribes were decreed. Uh, this is the, the word of a, uh, a royal command from the Lord to, to go up to Jerusalem. They, those feasts were three times a year and they were always after a harvest. And that's important to David's gladness at getting to go to Jerusalem. It was after the pilgrims would have just finished weeks on end of the hard labor of bringing in the farmer's harvest. So he is glad when someone invites him, just like everyone else would have shared in this kind of gladness. To go up to Jerusalem meant to retreat from the thorns of this world of fighting against the difficulties of that farming and harvesting lifestyle, of all the difficulties of living in this world. This is what we've, in fact, heard from Psalm 120, isn't it? When we began the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120, the psalmist, if you remember, was about to start that pilgrimage. It's like he, David just got that invitation. He was glad to go there because, remember, in Psalm 120... He was surrounded by deceivers. He was living in the darkness of this world. And so he wants to go to Jerusalem where his joy is. Surely he's glad to be with the other pilgrims. He's glad to be with friends and family. You see that even in verse 8 where he talks about his brothers or his companions, the people of God who are going with him. But verse 1 tells us what he is most glad about when he goes to Jerusalem. It's because the house of the Lord is there. This is what makes David most glad. You see, the truth that the Bible teaches us is that the Lord lives in heaven. And yet, his feet really touch down on earth in one place. His feet touch down 
in Jerusalem. And because He is there, David wants to be with Him. Because to be with the Lord is so different from living in the world. I wonder if you could understand the words that Kirk read to us from Revelation chapter 21. This is the great vision that we're living for. When God lives with His people, and He is our God, and we are with Him, because when we are with Him, He will wipe away all the tears from all of our mourning and put death away for good. Do you know that joy and that it depends upon being with the Lord? If you know the Lord, the reason you want to be in heaven is because He's there. It's not because the loved ones you have you think are there. That's not why you want to go. It is because the Lord is there. And so we long for other people to invite us. We love it when they say, come and let us go to be with the Lord. We want as many people as possible to experience the worth of the Lord Jesus. And so we invite others. This is a reminder, isn't it, in verse 1. We so love to be with the world, the, the Lord that we want to invite as many people as possible. Come and worship Jesus with us. David was not just glad to get the invitation. He was glad to get inside those gates. You see that in verse 2? He was glad to actually get there. What we've been seeing is that the book of Psalms is not separate songs that have nothing to do with one another. They're all connected. In Psalm 120, the first psalm of the psalm of, of ascent, the, the, the psalmist, the pilgrim, is just about to start his pilgrimage to Jerusalem. In Psalm 121, he was making his way up those dangerous hills. Look in Psalm 121, verse 3, how he was asking the Lord, Lord, as I go through these dangerous pilgrimage, keep my feet from slipping. And then in Psalm 122, notice they, he's arrived. He's arrived, verse 2. The Lord has been faithful to keep His feet from slipping. Now His feet are standing in Jerusalem. He's made it to the goal of His pilgrimage. This is what the Psalms of Ascent consistently teach us. Peace, the fullness of joy, are only in one place. And that is in the presence of the Lord. Listen, this truth is something, if you're anything like me, and if the Bible is true, you are. We struggle so much because we are looking for the fullness of joy in all the wrong places. The fullness of joy, you will look in vain everywhere else except in the presence of the Lord. And if you are in the presence of the Lord, When He calls you to worship Him, He is calling you to your joy. The house of Jesus is the capital of joy. We still need to make that point that really what Psalm 122 is about is the house of Jesus. The capital of joy for David is Jerusalem. And the joy at being in Jerusalem in verses 1 and 2, leads David to explain in verses 3 through 5 why he's so joyful. And here he's going to give us three wonders 
about Jerusalem. It is kind of this wonder of the world. And there's three reasons why he's so thankful for Jerusalem. That's point number two. David is thankful for Jerusalem. And you will only be led to sing the songs of ascent, and Psalm 122 in particular, if you are acquainted the way that David is with all that the world is lacking. All that we miss in this world. All the woes of living apart from the presence of God. David is thankful for three things about being in Jerusalem. First of all, in verse 3, he's thankful for the city's strength. One nation under God, indivisible. The American dream of liberty and justice. What we are to be as a nation. All of that requires being one nation under God. In other words, indivisible. One nation, and we will only be one nation rightly if we are under God. This indivisibility comes when we are all devoted to the Lord. That's exactly the way that he sees Jerusalem. He says, you are bound firmly together. That is an image of of a rope that is really tightly woven. It's a strong rope. So if you went into Jerusalem, the buildings were tightly woven together. The people, whenever they gathered uh, for these pilgrimages, they were, they were tightly together. They, they quite literally were, were filling up the whole city. And the religion they were all under made them strong against the world's threats out there because they were bound firmly together or indivisible. He's thankful for Jerusalem. He's also thankful in verse 4 for the house of worship that is in Jerusalem. Look at verse 4. This is such an important lesson for us when we think about what is worship. If you were to define what worship is, if you were to verbalize what your heart actually thinks of worship, so many people approach worship as if it's if something that we just kind of have to do. We need to present ourselves before the Lord in hopes that He's actually going to do something for us. We need to pay our dues so that we have Him on the hook. That's not what verse 4 says. Going to the Lord to worship Him is going to give to the Lord. So my grandmother, one of the things I remember her saying is she used to, whenever we were about to have a family meal um, for a holiday or something, she would, she would always uh, say, let us return thanks. Let us return thanks. And that, that phrasing always just really intrigued me. It really is so fitting Our thanks to God is really just a return to Him. We can only give to the Lord from what He has given us. And worship is this return. We are coming to the Lord who has just been pouring out blessing upon us. And we're giving. We are giving. That was a main part of these pilgrim feasts. Whenever they got to Jerusalem, they never came empty-handed. 
They just had their harvest. And they would bring an offering from the harvest that the Lord gave them. And because they want to thank Him and say, this is all your, to, to your credit, we give back. David's thankful for Jerusalem because there is where he cataloged all that the Lord did for him. Not just in the harvest of the farmers. But since the last time we were gathered together in Jerusalem, He has been so generous. He's been so, uh, so gracious and giving me so much. Since the last visit, He's given me all these things that I'm aware of. So I've come in His presence to thank Him. That's what He deserves. So many people today leave the church because of so much of an emphasis on giving. And, and, and listen, I, I'm, I'm aware... I don't know that I've been in churches where there's been an abuse of giving, whether it was harped upon or, or used to, to buy jets or whatever uh, for the pastor. But I'm aware that that happens. I'm aware that pastors and preachers should not be greedy for unjust gain. And they shouldn't use their pulpits to guilt people into giving. But there may be also a reason why people don't like to hear about giving because we are in our hearts consumers. We want to take from the Lord rather than give to the Lord. We want to hoard the things that He's given us rather than to give back to Him. Psalm 122, in its context, is the pilgrims who've just gotten so much a harvest from the Lord and being eager to go into His presence with such gladness so that they can give to the Lord. This is one of the reasons we should race to the church to give. Yeah, financially. You should give financially to the church. Because God has been so generous to you and you are supposed to give in Jerusalem out of thanksgiving. But also we should gather together to give thanks to the Lord for not just the material harvest that He's given us since the last time we gathered, but also the spiritual harvest that He's given us since the last time He's gathered. I want to encourage you that one way that we can apply Psalm 122 is to look for a harvest in your life. Look for the fruit of the Spirit in your life. If you're a Christian, the Spirit is not weak. He is working in you the good qualities of Christ. He's giving you love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And you owe Him thanks for that. And when we gather together, we should be so aware of the harvest that we're bringing that offering of thanksgiving and we're testifying to one another, the Lord has been so kind to me. Hasn't He been so kind to you and giving you all of these gifts? That's why we should be gathering for worship from Psalm 122. David is also so thankful to be in Jerusalem, verse 5. Not just because of its security or oneness, not just because we get to go to the house of the Lord for the purpose of giving thanks, but also because in Jerusalem is another house. It's the house of David, the house of justice. These psalms may have been written at, at various times. I mean, David, David wrote some of these psalms of ascent. Other people who came after him wrote other psalms. But they were put together in this order after the people of Israel went into exile in Babylon. 
And then when they return to Jerusalem, they say, we need some songs to sing as we go. And they would have experienced what it was like to be under wicked and unjust rulers. So they want to come into Jerusalem because God's King would be there and He would give them justice. Now something very important that I want us to acknowledge from Psalm 122 is that Jerusalem is not where it was. Jerusalem is not where it was. There are hints of this even in the fact that David is the one who wrote this. Think about it. David wants to go to Jerusalem because the house of the Lord, the temple is there. It wasn't there when David was king. Understand what he's saying in Psalm 122. His son Solomon is the one who built the the temple in Jerusalem. What does that mean? What it means is that David is writing a song of prophecy. He's looking forward to what Jerusalem is not yet and what it would become. That means that Jerusalem may not be what you are naturally thinking about in the Middle East. And it never was in David's mind. Where is the Jerusalem David was talking about? Well, it's the place where the house of the Lord is and where the house of David is the temple of God, and the throne of the king. And not just any king. The Old Testament promised to David that he would have a son who would rule forever in righteousness. The Old Testament promised to David that he would have a son who would bring peace to the whole world, not just to one people. The joy of Jerusalem... It is the capital of joy in all the world because of these two houses. So you have to follow me. What is Psalm 122 about? When Jesus visited the temple, do you remember what happened? When He made His pilgrimage to Jerusalem, like David, and walked into the temple, He could not sing Psalm 122 the way we've just read that David was singing Psalm 122 because Jerusalem was not for Jesus and in Jesus' day what David was prophesying that it would be. When Jesus got to the temple, He wept. When He got to Jerusalem, He doesn't do what we've just read. He's not glad to be there. Because this is the city that is not under God. This is the city that kills all the prophets that God sends. Jesus goes into the temple of His Father's house and He doesn't find what we just saw. He doesn't find people gathering to give thanks according to the decree of the Lord. They're not giving the Lord anything. They're taking from the Lord. They're taking from all the pilgrims who come to worship the Lord so that they might make themselves rich. He doesn't find a king on David's throne who is giving good justice to the people. He's finding a king who is oppressive to the people. Jesus is heartbroken and angry. He is not glad when He comes to Jerusalem. And that means something for how we understand this. And Jesus was not just fed up, though, with Jerusalem. 
he was, we are told, zealous for his father's house. And what he was zealous for was to make Psalm 122 true. Jesus came to Jerusalem to make David's dreams come true. And do you remember how he did it? In the temple, after Passover, or or while he was celebrating Passover, Jesus commands the Jews, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. If you are going to understand the joy of Jerusalem, what Jesus tells you is you need nothing less than a new house than, than the Old Testament ever had. What was wrong with Jerusalem is its people were not under God, worshiping God, or under God's King. And John said that Jesus, whenever he said destroy this temple, he was talking about his own body. Jesus was the home of God on earth because he was God. He was this walking temple where people could come and worship God by worshiping him. And the Jews that he spoke those words to unintentionally obey him. And they did what was needed to make Psalm 122 true by destroying Jesus, by killing his body on a cross. And Jesus kept His word. He said, I will raise this building up again. I will raise my body on the third day. And we're told that on the third day when Jesus was raised from the dead, that He also received that crown and took the throne of David. Do you see what Psalm 122 is actually about? Jesus is the capital of joy. Jesus is the capital of joy because in Jesus, the house of the Lord and the house of David come together. And they come together when He was raised from the dead. We could have read Ephesians chapter 2 today. It would have been really encouraging. There's so many of the same uh, language and the fulfillment of Psalm 122 is explained in Ephesians chapter 2. And we're told that when the cornerstone was raised from the dead when Jesus was raised from the dead. He built a new house for God. Revelation 21, we did hear, the new Jerusalem is the bride of Christ. What does that tell you that Jerusalem is? It is the church. That that city in the Middle East is a shadow. It's a shadow of the reality of Christ. And his church. Now listen to me. I hear this all the time. Maybe you don't hear this, but I've got the microphone, and so I'll tell you what I hear. I hear people say things all the time like, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Technically, that's true. But all the people of God have always chased their own joy by going to Jerusalem to worship. I know it seems so hip and so mature these days as a Christian to be fed up with the church. There's this like kind of arrogant air that people have that I hear where they're, they're saying, I'm just fed up with all the failures of the church. I understand. God never has that attitude. Never. Do you see what he says about Jerusalem? Verse 4. To Jerusalem, all the tribes, all the diverse people of God do this one thing. We go to worship the Lord because He is there. 
In the church is where God uniquely lives. It's the truth. And in the church is where Jesus uniquely rules. Charles Spurgeon said, Our gladness at the bare thought of being in God's house. And he means the church. Our gladness at the just the simple thought of being in the church is detective as to our character. It's detective. It is telling, it's giving you clues as to our true character. Just the thought of being in the church is our gladness. That will, that will give a clue as to what your real character is. He said it is prophetic of our being one day happy in the Father's house on high. The prophecy that you will be in the Father's house on high in heaven and happy there is your gladness at the bare thought of being in the church. Psalm 122 is clearly making this point. Verse 5 is also making this point that if there is justice in a world that is cheating and filled with cruelty, it should be found in the local church. Beloved, this is a challenge for us. We should be a people of righteousness who do good to everyone because David is on the throne. That requires for us as a church to be ruled by Jesus and we're ruled by Jesus when the decrees of Jesus are heard. That's why the Word of God is so important to our church. Not just that we preach it, but we listen and we obey it. He knows what is best for us. We should be the capital of joy in Graham. And all true churches in Graham should be this because Christ rules here. Third and finally in verses 6 through 9, David commands prayers for Jerusalem. I want you to notice this. His joy at being in Jerusalem leads to his explanation of why he's thankful for Jerusalem and that leads to the main application for the saints. It's prayer. It's prayer. You see him command in verse 6. He's commanding himself in light of how unique Jerusalem is. I'm going to pray for Jerusalem. And he's commanding all the pilgrims around him to pray for peace in Jerusalem. Verses 6 and 7. Pray for Jerusalem to be what its name promises. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jeru, peace, Salem, or Shalom, in the name of Jerusalem, is the word peace. And it is far more than the lack of adversity. In fact, when he says pray for security, that word security could be translated prosperity. More than the lack of adversity, the lack of difficulty, the lack of enemies. It's especially to have prosperity despite all of the threats. Fullness of life and wholeness because the houses are there. Peace is so close to the concept of unity. And what I want you to understand is those key words in this psalm are teaching us something very important. That Joy in Jerusalem and peace in Jerusalem depends on peace between the houses in Jerusalem. It depends upon the unity of the King and God. 
Do you remember in the history of Israel, it is when David's children, his sons, who were on the throne, lost the temple. It's whenever they lost their relationship with God, that peace was lost for the people of God. When God's house is not united with God's king, the people have no peace. And the nations come in and they conquer not only the military of Israel, but they also defile the temple of God. We need unity. The king must be under the true king. Outside of Jerusalem is death. I didn't point this out in Psalm 120, but if you go back and look at Psalm 120 and talk about and see how the psalmist is, is asking to be in Jerusalem because he's dwelling in Kedar. The word Kedar means darkness. He's dwelling in darkness. Outside of Jerusalem is only darkness and only death. And do you notice this? Inside is joy. Because inside of Jerusalem is God and King. And therefore life, secured, certain, real security, fullness of what the world cannot give us, goes to those who love Jerusalem. Do you see that? May they be secure and have prosperity. May they have peace. Who? Verse 6. Those who love you, not love the Lord, love Jerusalem. And he says the main way we prove our love, at least in Psalm 122, is through prayer. If you love Jerusalem, you will pray for Jerusalem. Verse 8, David prays that peace would be within Jerusalem for the sake of his brothers and companions. Again, we bring this over to the church. Uh, The spiritual good of our brothers and sisters depends upon the peace of the church. The children of God are only really blessed when God is worshipped in the church and where Jesus is ensuring justice is coming in the church. That is prosperity. That is prosperity. This longing, Lord, unite us in Your worship under Your King. That is the prosperity You should be laboring for. Verse 9, David seeks the good of Jerusalem for the sake of the Lord's house. Now, David is modeling for us a dedication we should all have to Jerusalem because it will do good for the Lord's house. On behalf of the Lord's house, I will seek the good of Jerusalem. And yet David as the king, he feels this unique responsibility. I will seek your good, Jerusalem, because the good of God's people and the glory of God Himself depends upon the peace of Jerusalem. And I, as the king, have a special responsibility to lead the people in worshiping the Lord. David, even before he was king, showed that he was going to be this kind of king. When he faced Goliath, remember? How did he beat Goliath? 
because he was devoted to the Lord. And out of that devotion to the Lord, he wants good for Jerusalem. He says, I will live for the sake of the Lord's house as the king who needs to especially be united under God. Beloved, David had a greater son who sought the good of Jerusalem for the sake of the Lord's house even more than David ever did. Jesus did not just live for the good of Jerusalem. Jesus died to make the house of the Lord. Jesus died to establish a king who would be just. If you're here and you're not someone who is devoted in your heart toward Jesus, learn from Psalm 122 that peace and prosperity belongs only to those who are within Jerusalem. Do you see the repetition of the word within? Three times in verses 7 through 9, within Jerusalem are those who have life and peace. And Jesus paid the highest price that you might have peace. Won't you come in to Jerusalem? Won't you come to Jesus and devote your whole life to the one who died to give you peace? And I can tell you that one proof that you are secure in Christ will be your love for his people. The psalmist could not be more clear that those that the Lord secures are those who love Jerusalem, which is the people of God. So I really would, I I still would love to visit Jerusalem. I would love to go to that city. And and maybe you do too. And maybe when when we read Revelation 21, we are all, if you're a Christian, you are longing for the fullness of that new Jerusalem. That day, whenever the bride of the Lamb will be presented to our husband Christ, and we will never say goodbye to him again, and we will never hurt again, and we will have the one we've all been longing for. And maybe the picture of Jerusalem in in Psalm 122 and the picture of Jerusalem to come in Revelation 21 does not look like very much your experience in a church, but it should. It should. What should you do if it's not? Secure are all who love the church. Do you love the church? That will be proven in your prayers. That's the main application. Verse 6, The peace and prosperity of Jerusalem, according to David, depend upon the prayers of the people of Jerusalem. Now, I'm really encouraged as a pastor to look out at Grand Bible Church and to see peace. The Lord has blessed us with peace. I think He's prospering us in all kinds of ways. And I would say we should want this even more. And whatever ways that you are grieved because you do not see, you, you read Psalm 122 and you don't think of the church, or you read Revelation 21 and you don't think of your local church, whatever ways you're grieved by that, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? Our church will be what our prayers make it. We labor for money. We labor 
or vacations. We labor for comfort in our life. We labor to have the good life and to pass it on to our kids so that they'll have a better life than we had. We discipline our bodies so that we can live long lives. We take our medications. Where is the zeal? Zeal for the Lord's house consumed the Lord Jesus. And it consumes all the people of God. And David is saying, I want peace and security in Jerusalem. That means prosperity for Jerusalem is more important to David than prosperity for David. And that should be true of all of us. Don't you want this gladness in verse 1? I read that and I want that. I want that when we, when we gather together, to come together, and when our feet are standing within this gathering, we just rejoice. I remember the first time I went to an African-American church and feeling so strange because of how interactive the congregation was, how joyful they were, how, how, how they kept saying amen. It just seemed genuine and and I thought it was strange and and I and I laughed quite a bit because I was such an outsider from that isn't that what should be true of us whenever we gather beloved you were an enemy you were not a pilgrim like David making your way always to the Lord longing with to be with the Lord Ephesians 2 said you were a pagan and I was a pagan We were without hope. We were without God. We were strangers. We were aliens. And by His blood, He has made us His friends. He has saved us from from our sins. He's made us the children of God. Should we not rejoice? Shouts of joy should never be suppressed by the people of God. I want to encourage you, don't ever say to me again, when you were preaching this, Ryan, I wanted to jump out in joy. Don't say that to me again. Do it. Shouts of joy should be common for us. Let us be consumed that our church is a capital of joy. That it is a retreat from that world. That we don't love that world. That we're laboring to get to Jerusalem. Not to just have a refuge with our harvest and stay with our fruit. I was sick for two weeks. I was Gone for a Sunday, gone for two Wednesdays. I'm so glad that I missed it. I'm so glad at how excited I was coming in today. You should pray. You should pray if that's not your heart. And you should pray that it would be all of our hearts. Pray for the sake of your brothers and sisters that we would live lives of worship, that we would be filled with thanksgiving, not with bitterness, and that we would gather to testify of all the Lord has done for us. And we should pray that the name of Jesus would be exalted through our church because we are under the rule of a great king. We should pray that we would be a people above all the sickness that we're praying about, above all the the common real difficulties we have, we should pray for righteousness. We should pray for justice. We should pray for loving one another and reconciling with one another and repenting of sin and forgiving one another and loving and giving and sharing with one another. That will make our king look great. House of joy is the house of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would do far more with it than we could ever do. Pray that you would set it in our hearts and that we would rejoice.
Oh God, may you, may your house dwell here in safety. May you, by your spirit, make us a people who you can live with because we're holy. And we hate our sin. And we turn from it. And we forgive one another. May we be a people who are under the king and therefore have great joy because of all that he has done for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Christ alone, who took on 